this podcast from Jubilee Church Derby, a church family looking to make a difference across the city of Derby and beyond. This is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations, and you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. It's, uh, it's great to welcome, be able to welcome Andy back, Andy. Uh, and Hazel this time. Good to have you here after we left you at home last time. It's great that you, you, you're with us as well. And uh, it's uh, Andy leads the team at King's Church in Horsham uh, and is in, increasingly uh, serving other churches uh, around as well. And it's just great to have uh, you, you both here and indeed others from, from the church as well. But let's welcome Andy as he comes to speak now. Wonderful. Thank you so much. It's great to it's great to be here. Obviously, I didn't uh, upset too many people last time was, I was here, so you've invited me back. That's always a good sign. Um, it's just great to to be here. It was a fantastic day yesterday um, at uh, at the conference, and it was just wonderful just to be part of that and to be part. Uh, of you again today. And so last time we were here, um, probably one of the biggest comments we had as a team um, was about how we honoured one another. It was about how we worked together, how we preferred and deferred to one another as a team. And I touched on it yesterday um, a little bit just in terms of we believe in team, we believe how that works, but I thought it would be really helpful maybe to um, unpack what we believe a culture of honour is and uh, what we do at King's and how that works, so we can unpack that a little bit for you, just as there was so much interest um, in it last time. Is that all right? Will that, will that keep you awake? Hazel did say to me, you better be good, because these chairs are really comfortable. Um, so um, I'll, try and, I'll try and be as good as I can be. But uh, we want to look at that culture of honour, and it's something as a church that um, we've been really focusing on uh, quite a lot. And um, we've kind of defined a culture of honour, or what we call a hallmark of our culture is honour. We've defined it as this, where everyone empowers those around them to be all they can be. Where we celebrate the breakthrough of others as though it were our own where we serve and honour our leaders and our leaders serve and honour those they lead. So that's kind of what we've, uh, if you like, tried to encapsulate in that thing. And, and one could be asking, why is honour even important? I mean, what, what is it really? And it's a really good question. And I'm going to answer it by reading a quote from a fantastic book called The Honour Key um, by a guy called Russell Evans. And he says this, all, uh, all through the Bible, the value of honour is the essence of the kingdom of God. In fact, I believe that honour is the foundational truth of the kingdom. Everything revolves around this topic of honour. Everything happens because of honour. Every miracle, every breakthrough, indeed everything that happened in Jesus' life actually happened when people honoured what he carried, honoured the miracles he performed or honoured who he was. Honour affects every part of your life. A lifestyle of honour affects your marriage, your family, your job, your finances, and your church life. In fact, it affects everything. And very simply, we see people coming to Jesus, expecting that he can heal them, which is faith, of course. Um, But actually, as we see people coming to Jesus, and they honoured who he was, they honoured the gift, we then read that he healed all who came to him. 
And it was that sense of honour that actually brought that about. And we know the story because I talked about it last time I was here. You know, when Jesus was in his own town, actually he was unable to do hardly any miracles because essentially there was no honour for him. And he said, you know, a prophet is not without honour except in his own town. And it was because of that lack of honour that meant that actually what God wanted to do in that town couldn't happen. And so that makes honour quite a big deal because honour creates an environment, a culture, if you like, an atmosphere uh, where the measure of the Holy Spirit in people is able to thrive. And that's why it's so important because it's, we want to see people reach their full potential. And actually, honour's part of that. And, um, you know, I'm sure you believe me, but just in case uh, you don't, if you think of the story of uh, Jairus' daughter, when Jesus went to go and heal her and she was dead. Um, and we read that actually in that passage, and you can read it for yourself in Mark 5, that when Jesus said, don't mourn because she's not dead, she's just sleeping, they, they laughed at him. And that was dishonor. They showed dishonor. And so what he did was he, he got rid of everybody that was full of cynicism and skepticism out of the room. And he just allowed those in the room that honoured him, honoured the gift, honoured what he was bringing. And then we see him bring her back to life. And so honour was important. He didn't want to operate in, a, in an environment, in an atmosphere where the, there was no honour. You see, when you receive someone, and the Bible says, receive a righteous man in the name of a righteous man, and you will receive a righteous man's reward. What that tells us is, is that receiving a gift releases the gift in your life. And so as you receive a ministry, as you receive a gift in someone else, as you honor it, actually you open the doorway to receive that thing into your life. And, and that's why often you'll see us as a team when we're together, we'll stand, we'll whoop, we'll holler, we'll clap as others get up onto the stage, as people bring testimonies, is because we want to honor what God's done in that person's life. We want to honor what they're going to bring so we can receive it. We want to honor the testimony so we can take part in it. It's really, really important, and that's what you'll see. So if you come to Kings, you'll see people getting on their feet when someone gets up to minister, when someone gets up to bring a testimony or to preach or whatever, because actually it's a, an honor that comes that says, I'm ready to receive what you've got. And so as you, maybe it's the preacher who's coming, you're, you're saying, I'm going to engage with you. I'm going to honor you so I'm ready to receive the deposit of God that, that he's put in you. And it's so important. That we do that, and as I say, if you come to Kings, you'll see that. So it's, it's helpful for us to then think, well, what does honour mean? What do we really mean by it? And, and if I'm honest, I think honour is in danger of becoming an overused word um, in, our, in our culture and environment. Um, it's certainly a vital word on your Christian keycard bingo. If you have that, you know, keyword bingo, do you play that? Um, you should do it next time Graham's preaching, you know, just get all the kind of key buzzwords and then if you get all of them, you can stand up and shout out bingo, okay? Um, but honour is one of those words. It seems to be get used for, for everything and anything and actually what's sad in a way is actually the flip side of it seems to be more often used, which is dishonour and we'll talk about that in a minute, but... What does honour actually mean? Well, honour means to esteem at the highest level or to add weight to. That's what honour means. To esteem someone to the highest level isn't simply just clapping when they get on stage. It's certainly not a golf clap. 
You know what I mean by that? Bless you. Um, it's, not, it's not that. Because that couldn't be considered esteeming someone to the highest level, could it? Again, it's, it's why people stand or they get excited. It's because we want to esteem that person to the highest level. And the reality is, is, is honour is more than just an attitude of heart. It's more than just nice words spoken before the preacher gets up to, to say something. It has to be a heart attitude and corresponding words and physical action. It has to be all of those three things and that's why people stand and clap. It's a way of doing that. But in Isaiah 23 we read this, The Lord said, Because those people draw near to me with their mouths and honour me with their lips while their hearts are far from me. So honour can't just be words out of my mouth. I can't honour with just my lips. It has to be my actions as well. And when we honour someone or something, we give it weight or deep respect. It isn't enough to feel it inside. Honour must include an outward expression or it's just lip service. Honour includes the heart condition and the outward expression of respect and reverence for something that we esteem to the highest degree. If we're just saying the words, it's not honour, it's flattery. If it's just an attitude of heart with no physical, physical expression, it's, it's not honour. I, I don't know what it is, but it's not honour. It has to be an attitude of heart, lips and action. So what does honour look like is a great thing to ask. And I think the best place to look for that is in the story of the prodigal son. It's my absolute favourite story in the whole Bible. And uh, I absolutely love it. So we're just going to read it together. um, And then I'll try and unpack that in the time that I've got left. What time do I get tackled off the stage? I'm not going to do ministry afterwards. I'm just going to pray. Right, okay. Ten to one, five to one. Great. Luke 15, 11 to 32. And he said, that was Jesus, that there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a long journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, but no one gave him anything. But when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have had more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and he came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and he felt compassion and he ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to the father, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robes and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found and they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field and he came and drew near to the house. He heard music and dancing and he called one of the servants and asked what do these things meant? 
And he said to him, your brother has come. Your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and he refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, look, these many years I've served you and I never disobeyed your command. You never even gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours um, came who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me. All that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this brother of yours was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Brilliant story. I love it. And there's so much we can draw from it. But it begins the story with this younger son asking his father for his part of the inheritance. Now, it's really important that when we read the Bible that we interpret it well. We need to look at the Bible and try and understand what would their hearer at the time have understood by what was being said. Not do we, what do we understand by what's being said? Because it may mean something different to us. And the first thing for us to remember when we do that is is that this wasn't written to a Western guilt-based culture like ours. Okay, so in our culture, I will defend my innocence even if everyone else is blaming me. My internal and individualistic judgment is what counts. It's what I believe. It's my judgment about me that's what, what is counts. And I will defend that. And if by some token I manage to get away with it, I can still be wrecked by guilt. That's how our culture works. Um, and even, even if the world thinks you're innocent, you can still be wrecked with guilt. So what other people think doesn't really matter to you if you if you if you know you've done it and the world thinks you haven't you can still be wrecked with guilt but that's not how a middle eastern culture works it's an honor shame culture and so what other people believe about you is much more powerful indeed your principles may be derived from your desire to preserve your honor and avoid shame to the exclusion of all else so you may go against what you even think is right because you don't want the dishonor that that will bring. What other people think about you is huge. And so we need to understand that when we read this passage. So as we look at it, you see a younger son asking for the inheritance. And, and that would have been regarded in that culture as the same as saying, I wish you were dead. Because if you were dead, I'd have my money. It was a huge thing. The son, although he possibly did it in private, still shamed or dishonoured his father, which was massive in that culture. It was huge. But look how the father responds. He didn't react to the dishonour received, but he released honour and gave his son the inheritance that he asked for. He honoured his son, even though he'd received massive dishonour. And more staggering, really, I think, is the fact that if his father had just said no, no one would have known. Because it was done in private. But the fact that the father honoured his son and said yes, actually increased the father's shame because it would then have become public record. So now he was, he was, he was taking on shame in order to honour his son. And what his son had said, it actually increased his shame. Because the whole community would then have known what happened. And in a culture where other pe- what other people think is so important, it's so powerful, where the shame is so huge, the father models something of honour for us 
His response to dishonour was honour. You see, honour is not about what we receive. Honour is about what we release. And I hear people misuse the word honour all the time because it seems to me that they feel in the main that honour is due them. But honour is something we give. It's something we release. We release it towards those we have responsibility for and we release it towards those who have responsibility for us. And here in this passage, the father demonstrates this and he releases honour to his son in meeting his request. He does not demand honour from his son. It's not like that, you know, the mafia, you disrespect me. It's not, he doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. He doesn't demand honour from his son. Even though his son is wrong, even though his son is misguided, even though his son is full of pride and full of arrogance and full of all the other things that young sons are full of, regardless of that, he he releases honour. And so his response to dishonour is honour. So as we look at that, we ask the question, where does honour begin then? Where does it start? Well, the reality is it begins with you. It begins with you. You don't see the father in the story demanding honour from his sons, complaining that he's been dishonoured, but he freely releases honour over him. By demonstrating honour to his son and those who would look on, we see actually at the end of the story that the son humbly comes and honours his father and says, I've sinned against heaven and against you. So when you honour people, when you release honour over them, it creates a desire in them to give honour back. But it may take a while, years maybe, like in this story. But creating an atmosphere of honour, you'll find people begin to slowly respond and operate in that same atmosphere. And so we see this son eventually coming to his senses in the story. He's blown his inheritance and after he squandered everything, his father had, uh, after he squandered everything that his father had released to him, suddenly it dawned on him that things weren't going so well. Now, what we see is that the dishonour here, you've got to understand, is, is so huge. So, not only did he bring dishonour and shame to his father for asking for his inheritance early, but he continued to shame his father in the way he squandered that inheritance. That inheritance was graciously released to him. But not content with just the dishonour of asking for it, he then went and blew it on prostitutes and wild living and so continued to publicly dishonour his father in the way that he then used the inheritance that he'd been given. The son was really going to town on releasing shame towards his father and more than that he was doing it publicly. But when his son came to his senses, he comes back to his father's house with what I'm certain was a very, very well-rehearsed speech. Um, And uh, I think it's just incredible that, 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 that just the words that he uses. Now, we know he fully expected to be treated as a servant. He expected that dishonor to come to him because of how he'd behaved. That was his expectation. His expectation was to be dishonoured. But his father responded very, very differently. First of all, we see the father running to meet him. Now, I find this really amazing because, again, in that culture, a culture of shame, it was shameful for a mature man to run. 
But what we read is, is that actually the father would have pulled up his, his robe over his knees. Again, shameful for older men to, to show their knees. And he ran to meet his son. And we know the story. But actually, he was actually taking on more shame in the community as he ran to his son. The father risked further dishonor in order to honor his returning son. It's an amazing story. And in a culture where what others think of you is so important, we see the father just abandon his own honor, rejecting its shame in order to meet and love his son. The father abandons his honor in order to give honor. This is how honor works. It's not about what you receive, it's about what you release. And so the father abandons his own honor in order to give honor. And previously, the father's response was honor that he gave to dishonor. Now we see the father's heart towards the returning son. Bearing in mind, and this is so important you forget this, bearing in mind that the father did not know at this point why the son was coming back. He could have been coming back to ask for more money. He didn't know. But he came and he ran and he brought further dishonor and shame to, his, to himself in order to honor, honor his son. Honor is not about what we receive. Honor is about what we give. And the first thing that the father does after loving and hugging his son is to restore him. He places a robe on him, restores the son's honor and dignity, even though he risks shame in doing so. The robe covered the stinking rags of the son. The robes covered the son's evidence of sin. No longer was the son's shame exposed to everyone. He was covered. Hidden in the father's robe. Remind you of anything? (laughs) The robe not only covered his iniquities so they were hidden. But it demonstrated to everyone around that the son's position as a son was restored. So first he was, his unrighteousness was hidden and covered and then he was made righteous. His position as a son was not downgraded because of his failure. I'm going to say that again. His position as a son was not downgraded because of his failure. He was still the father's son and the father honoured him because of that. Not because of what he'd done. He honoured him because of who he was. And folks, honour is a kingdom hallmark. And the kingdom is an upside down kingdom. Honour does not look at people's weaknesses. It does not focus on our personal likes and dislikes in other people. It does not concern itself with style preferences or any type of external preference. Honour celebrates who people are in Christ. And what I love to do is I I try, even through the muck and bullets, to understand people's calling, what God has said about them, what's, what's prophetically over their lives. And I do that with the team. And when they muck up and when they get things wrong, I want to look past the, the mistake to what God has put in them. What's the gold that God's put in them? What's God said about them? And I, I choose to see them as God sees them, even through the mistakes. And I want to call that out. 
because that's what Jesus did. You look at what, what Peter did when he denied Jesus three times. But what did he do when he met him on the beach after he'd raised from the dead? Three times he forgave him. Three times he called him. But what he was doing, he was seeing past what Peter had done to what the Father had said about him. On this rock I will build my church. And so he refused to look at what he'd done. He only looked at what had been put in Peter. And that's why he said, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. And that's what honour does. Coming back to our story, we then see the father put a ring on the son's finger. Again, we need to understand the culture. You know, you've all seen it on, on the TV, but a ring like that comes, brings authority. You know when on TV when they had the melted wax, then they put the, the ring into the wax because it's a sign of authority, of authenticity. Um, and uh, we see it on the TV. But here, the father honours the, the son by not only restoring his dignity, but restoring his authority. It shows that he's, he had authority. It wasn't dependent on his behaviour. It was dependent on who he was. When the son came and honoured the father and said, I'd sinned against God and against you, the father restored his authority. And then thirdly, the father put sandals or shoes on the son's feet. The son came expecting to have to walk as a servant. And his father put shoes on his feet, allowing him to walk again as a son. It's an incredible, incredible story. And actually, this is a picture of what God's done for us. All of us have sinned, the Bible says. Each of us have gone our own way, like this son, yet the Father honoured us and allowed us to go and do it. Think about that. (laughs) When we said we want to go and do it our own way, we know better than you. He honoured us and let us go and do it. He suffered shame and dishonour because his kids rebelled and ran away from him and he honoured us by allowing us to do it. However, as we've come to our senses and we've returned to the Father, we see that the Father has borne further shame as he allowed his son to be humiliated and died on a cross. For us, he bore further shame and humi- in order to honour us, to honour us with eternal life, to honour us with sonship. And that's what I love about this story, that the father just continues to honour even though he is being dishonoured. And one of the things that disturbs me sometimes as I think about this culture of honour and how it's grown in in pop culture, uh, in Christian worlds, is the misunderstanding and misuse of its flip side, the word dishonour. And I hear it quite a lot, you know, well you've dishonoured me, or I feel dishonoured. Let me just say again, honour is not about what we receive. Honour is about what we release. And it's a frequent misconception about honour is where it starts. Those who misuse the term primarily feel that honour is due to them. They think it starts with someone else. It doesn't. It starts with you. Like in this story, even when a person hurts and pains you, actually we have a a mindset of honour. Having a mindset of honour moves you, move your thoughts from a focus on yourself and your gifts to those around you. So honour is not conditional. 
And this brings us to the part of our story where the father continues to honour his son by uh, throwing a massive party. Not satisfied in knowing that his son has been restored. He wants everyone else to know he's been restored. He wants to say, I don't care what you think about what's happened. I'm restoring him and I'm going to tell you all. Going to tell you all. It's, it's just a wonderful story. But we see what the older brother does. He sees the party. He sees the restoration of his brother. And it's not passed him by what that means. But his immediate reaction to the honour of his brother was to receive it negatively as dishonour towards himself. And this shows a huge misunderstanding of what honour is. Honour's not about what we receive, it's about what we release. And so the older son's response to the father was, in essence, where's my honour? And we somehow have this feeling that actually by honouring someone, it, it kind of makes dishonour come towards us. Well, there's only so much honour to go around, and if I'm going to honour them, then where's my? And this is what the son's doing, it's just a completely wrong way of thinking. And it's a kind of thing I, I hear kind of regularly. That, but like this son, he said, well, where, where's my fattened calf? Where's my goat? I don't, I'll take a goat. Where is it? Never accept a goat. Always the fattened calf. But, you know, he's saying essentially, I didn't get any honor for me. Where's, where's mine? There wasn't even a little bit for me. And I do hear this kind of thinking quite regularly. As someone is honoured, just the fact that they're honoured, they immediately take some kind of offence. Let me tell you, offence is never given. It's only ever taken. I can't give offence, but you can take it. And the honouring of someone else suddenly becomes about them. So one minute you're honouring someone and somehow, well, where's my honour? It suddenly means it all becomes about them. They feel... To dishonor towards themselves. In essence, they're saying, why have you honored them when you haven't honored me? That's really what they're saying. And the culture of this world focuses on self. It's all about my rights, my gifts, my calling, my ministry, and doing my thing. And we see the older son acting like that in our story, turning everything towards himself. And what he and many others like him do is they then try and get their own way through control and manipulation and intimidation. It's gone quiet now, isn't it? But he holds a gun to the father's head. That's what he does. He does that by saying, essentially, I'm not coming in. He intimidates his father. I'm not coming in. And then he looks to manipulate his father by making him leave the party to come to him. And then he looks to make him choose between him and his brother. Because now the father's got to make a choice. Do I stay out with him or do I return to the party with my other son? Honour is the opposite of control. Because control is all about me and honour is all about us. The reasons most people leave churches or other group activities is because they decide that it's not meeting their needs in some way. Marriage breaks down because spouses move away from being about us to being about me. The relationship becomes about my needs, and in order to get my needs met, my needs met, I resort to control, manipulation, and intimidation. Honor is about us, 
It's about our. It's not about me or my. We cannot make honour about me. It's always about you. And that's why I hate the way the Americans spell honour. It's because they've taken the you out of honour. And honour is all about you. It's never about me. When people get upset because they they show honour but don't receive honour in return, it shows they are simply giving to get something back. This is actually a form of manipulation and control. When we truly honour others, we don't look for anything in return. We simply honour them because that's our culture, the nature of the kingdom that we belong to. And so what we see in our story is a brother, brother is so concerned about himself that he's not able to celebrate his brother's breakthrough. He's unable to see past the impact on him. He's unable to see his brother's breakthrough because of his own lack. And I believe this is one of the keys of honour, is we have to learn how to celebrate others' breakthrough as if it was our own. And so when you're out of work and you're desperate for a job and somebody else gets a job, I want you to think about how would you celebrate if you'd got the job. And then once you've thought about that, go and celebrate with the person who's got the job. That's what honour is. It's celebrating others' breakthrough as though it was your own. And I believe this is something we all need to, to grow in, um, me included. But it is a key, because I believe it's a key for you receiving your own breakthrough. So as you celebrate someone else's breakthrough, I believe it's a key for receiving your breakthrough. But often what we do is we put up a barrier to our own breakthrough because we look at someone else's breakthrough and we immediately make it about us and say, well, why me? Why haven't I got my breakthrough? But if you honour their breakthrough as though it was your own, I believe it will give you your breakthrough. Not as a formula, but I believe it's just how honour works. As I say, it's something I think we all need to, to grow in. I think having a mindset of honour moves your thoughts from a focus on yourself and your gifts to those around you. And I believe that's what church is all about. So what honour does, it allows us to, if we choose honour, even if it diminishes your own. Okay, that's what we learn from this story. Honour honours when we are dishonoured because honour is not about what we receive, honour is about what we release. Honour creates an atmosphere where other people slowly begin to operate in it too. Honour celebrates people for who they are in Christ. I believe it literally pulls their destiny out of them. When we, when we, when we look at what God said to them, what their destiny is, not the muck that they're walking through right now, I think we can pull their destiny out of them. Honour covers one another, protects. Honour restores Honour reinforces sonship in one another. Honour is unconditional. Honour celebrates others' breakthroughs as though it was our own. And honour is not about me, it's about you. And I believe that honour is one of those fundamental hallmarks of kingdom culture where everyone empowers those around them to be all they can be, where we celebrate the breakthroughs of others as though they were our own where we serve and honour leaders and leaders serve and honour those they lead. That's what I think honour is all about and we can get that from that story. Why don't you stand with me? I'll end.
One of the things I, I want to I say to you as a church is this. The people who we honour least are usually the people we are most familiar with. And I say this to you because your leaders will never say it. Those we honour least are usually the people we're most familiar with. I'll just leave that one with you. You can ponder that one. Why don't we pray together? Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord God, that you have made a way for us. Lord, you you put aside the shame, you put aside the dishonour that we have put on you because of our reckless choices, because of our sin, our willfulness, Lord God, but we delight in the fact that, that you rush to us. You, you, you walk through and run through the shame and the dishonour in order to come to us and honour us. We thank you, Lord God, of the honour that you have displayed to us as your children, as you sent your son to come and die. He bore the shame of the cross that we might be made sons and daughters of yours. And Lord God, I ask, Lord, for together as, as your church, Lord, teach us how to honour. Teach us how to honour one another. Teach us how to honour our leaders. Teach us how to receive others' breakthrough as though it was our own. But Lord, I pray too, teach us how to honour those who are not in the church. Lord, teach us how to honour those in the communities around us. Teach us how to honour um, those who enforce our laws, who put out our fires, who uh, come and, and help us when we're in trouble, when we're sick. Those who lead us, those who govern us, those we agree with and those we don't. Lord God, I pray, teach us how to honour for your glory and for your kingdom's sake. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk or come along on any Sunday.